0: Welcome to EDI on BIV. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver. And I'm joined today by my guest co-host Vivian Chan, a champion and supporter of Canadian startups and Vancouver startup community. She is the Director of National Operations at Yale Canada and co-chair of Vancouver Startup Week. Vivian, great to have you on our show as a host today. Thanks for having me. And at the upcoming Vancouver Startup Week, we'll be discussing a very important conversation with a guest who will be presenting during that week on the topic of why hiring people with disabilities is good for business. Jamie Miller-Dixon joins us today. She is a principal consultant with McLeod Silver HR Business Partners and an inclusive workforce consultant with BC Partners in Workforce Innovation or BC WIN. Jamie, great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, really. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: I want to start off with a question about how we define EDI, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and whether you feel that people who are differently abled, people with disabilities, are often considered when we talk about corporate strategies around EDI.
1: You know, that's a really great question. I think um, we're very fortunate here in the Lower Mainland to have the President's Group organization. So, so these are, this is a group of CEOs of fairly large organizations, but also some small businesses, that have committed their organizations to be inclusive of people with disabilities or those with diverse abilities. Um, you know, companies like City, ICBC, YVR. So we're really fortunate to have that leadership in our, in our own communities. Um, but I do think that people are often overlooked. People with, with diverse abilities are often overlooked and those themes for DEI can, can change uh, almost on an annual basis you know sometimes the focus is on having more women in certain levels of positions um having more indigenous uh people working in organizations but people with disabilities are often left behind
0: yeah. Yeah, it's um, on our first episode in this show, we spoke a little bit about how the term BIPOC or even EDI can perhaps be overly broad. And and as you mentioned, sometimes there's a specific theme around supporting women in business or whatever it may be. And I'm curious if maybe there's something that can be done or maybe it's being done with BC Win to raise more awareness around how having diverse abilities, whatever that may look like, might really benefit a workplace.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of really great work, again, coming out of the Lower Mainland um, around that, because I I think there's been a lot of success in hiring and retaining people with disabilities here. Um, I think we've got a lot of great work that's being done by um, a community of either business leaders or organizations like the Accessible Workforce Consultants through Presence Group, Um, people are talking about it and sharing those um, experiences and opportunities so there is a lens that is focused on this for us which is you know very fortunate because we've got a lot there's a lot going on in BC and we have a lot to share with other provinces across the country as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And Vivian feel free to jump in here but I'd be curious too for your thoughts on uh, what's happening in in tech as well because that's such an interesting industry to look at in terms of increasing diversity.
2: Yeah, especially with I think a lot of the small businesses in the city, when we're thinking about diversity, it's often gender or or even race. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, disability seems to be left out of that conversation. And I don't know if sometimes it's just because they are a small business, it's not something that's always in their face. So I guess curious on just what some of those uh, common misconceptions might be, um, you know, for someone with who's in a small business and and wants to wants to do something about it, but are kind of scared to take that first step. What are those misconceptions that often pop up?
1: Yeah, I think that is it's kind of the what really gets in the way, right? And it 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 kind of I think the the biggest misconception is a is that people would perform less than other coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really not the case. And and that combined with the perception that it costs a lot to hire someone with a disability, you know, um, but that's, you know, that gets in the way of inclusive hiring where where research shows us that, you know, most people hired with diverse abilities, it costs nothing at all. Um, and it, on average, if, you know, somebody, most require less than $500 of, of adjustments in the workplace to make that happy and uh, to make that possible. But yet, you know, we have, we have really good data out of Deloitte and that gets updated every couple of years that um, organizations that are inclusive of people with disabilities are twice as likely to meet their financial targets. They're six times more likely to be innovative because there is that diversity and diversity of thought and abilities. Um, Also six times more likely to be able to anticipate change and the staff retention rates in organizations that are inclusive of people with disabilities is really high. And so, having an impact on those constant turnover rates, especially in look at um, positions like in retail, food, and hospitality sectors, that that really adds up if you're if you're saving due to um, lower re- lower uh, turnover. So, I always say, and I say this all the time, is really the question: is Can your business afford not to be inclusive? That's
0: a really important <laughs> question. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm curious, so Vivian brought up a good point about the misconceptions. Uh, One Mm -hmm. other thing that's on my mind is whether it is easy for companies to hire these individuals, especially if they have a process where it's generally applicants coming to them, and whether the the pool of potential applicants or hirees is diverse to begin with.
1: Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of great resources in the communities that can support um, businesses right across the province, but we're especially fortunate here in the lower mainland. We have a lot of great um, organizations that support people who are focused on employment um, to, to gain access to employment. So, you know, the work BC centers, um, community living BC organizations, um, Canadian mental health association, Vancouver coastal health, they all have um, employment specialists that work with different people um, to help them gain access to employment. So for employers, it's sometimes they don't really know where to go. That becomes the biggest challenge. It's like, where do I go to, if I want to be inclusive, if I want my workforce to reflect our communities and our customer base, how can I find, where do I find people?
2: Do you think that there's a bit of that concern for an employer to, to you know, explicitly state that they want to hire people with disabilities? Do you think that they're a little concerned about asking that question
1: I think some might be concerned about that, but they they don't need to be. Like there's, um, if if we recognize that people with disabilities are you know really underrepresented in the workplace, and as an as an employer, I want to make sure my workplace reflects communities. Then it's it's okay to start that conversation with a trusted community partner. You know, reach out to to your local Work BC center or contact us, we'll help with that. I mean, to us, there's no such thing as a silly question. Um, it's a safe environment for employers to ask the questions that they need answers to. And, and you know, unconscious bias plays into, into some of those uh, decisions as well. Um, whether we realize it, you know, it's unconscious, whether we realize it or not. Um, and sometimes there's actual real bias that plays into those conversations. You know, would I, do I want to hire someone with a mental health condition? right? That's a good point. Yeah.
0: I'm a bit curious because I think about everything that workplaces have gone through over the past year and Mm -hmm. how people who may not think that they have a disability still need certain accommodations, still need certain kinds of support. Mental health, I think, has a lot of awareness raised around that piece and a lot of work to be done. But is it a positive thing to maybe try and think that you know we're all part of this conversation about diverse abilities as opposed to sort of reserving that for people who maybe by some kind of definition have a disability, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And it, it's, funny. I, it's funny, I should say that because we we were doing something with um, the post-secondary organizations institutions, so SFU and UBC in particular. And there was a, a young man there who who I had interviewed following uh, some career discussions we were having with students with uh, disabilities, grads and alumni. And he clearly was, he clearly had a vision impairment, right? Um, we were on Zoom, we could see that. And, and he said to me, I don't associate with having a disability. So there's a whole generation of people um, coming up who have been and who are, who are in the workforce now Who have been raised with inclusion inclusion is an expectation it's a norm people weren't segregated right into different schools or systems so um you know childhood friends had had a disability so you know those sorts of norms are going to um to really affect what we want from our employers in the future they're impacting that now for an entire generation of people but i also think that covid has First of all, COVID has really exposed um, some real gaps in in employment. There's probably people with disabilities were the most impacted um, in terms of job loss. Um, And so we've got a little bit of work to do following COVID. But one of the really interesting things that we've seen um, through, through BC WIN is organizations actually in the last couple of months opening up, coming to us and saying, listen, we really want to be focused more in this area. Um, Leadcore is a perfect example, right? Fairly large organization. They want to be more inclusive of people with disabilities. And now they're gonna focus on putting the the measures in place to, to do that.
2: You think it might actually be easier going forward because I think with COVID and everyone being at home and working from home and a lot of companies switching those jobs to become remote, For someone with a disability that would that actually work to their advantage as well because their home is probably set up to to accommodate their needs um, and kind of work to their schedule
1: yeah vivian i think you're absolutely right it's it's a game changer um and we've seen now so we work with icbc we work with some of the larger organizations and we've had some great discussions with hr teams because in the past there was real reluctance to have people work remotely from home Mm -hmm. and and what they saw during COVID is of course they dispatched everybody to work from home. What they saw was the productivity rates actually went up. They didn't go down. And the problem employees stayed the problem employees at home, whether they were in the workplace or working from home, that, that didn't change. But it made them so it, it made them more open um, to doing that in the future. So that is a huge game changer, especially. For people in, you know, communities across the province that don't have strong transit infrastructure in place, um, you know, opportunities aren't maybe as great as they are in, in major centers. So it's a it's a major game changer for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. A little bit, Jamie, but can you walk us through what you'd recommend an organization do if they're looking at the diversity within their institution? It's not very diverse. They are interested in supporting and hiring people with disabilities. Where do Mm -hmm. they start and then how do they follow through with that?
1: Um, So we we brought employers together a few years ago and we've come up with what we refer to as the four pillars. (laughs) Keep it simple. and it starts with commitment, readiness, recruitment, and retention, right? So it starts with commitment. It starts with that intention of we're going to be um, inclusive of people with, with diverse abilities. That usually um, helps if it comes from the business owner or comes from the top, right? It, it can sometimes come from the HR team that goes up, but it's much, it's much better if it's if it's coming from the top. So that intention is set. And then you look at what do we need to do? Um, what do we need to do to prepare for um, diverse abilities in our workplace? So, what adjustments do we need to make? You know, do we need to adjust our behavior-based interviews to be just a little more straightforward for people who might be neurodiverse? Um, so, putting that training in place. And it doesn't have to be long or extensive or even cost anything because WorkBC centers, our organization, President's Group has great information on their websites. Um, we've got an e-learning system launching in May as well, probably during the same week. Um, so, But readiness, preparing your organization to hiring managers, ops managers, look at the physical workspace, make sure it's accessible. The third thing is specific recruitment. So intentional recruitment out to organizations when you've got a job opening, put it out to those trusted partnerships, ask for referrals of um, people with disabilities. And then the fourth and final piece that often gets left sort of overlooked is retention. Once we've hired the person, um, we forget that people, you know, to check in and make sure that people are, have an opportunity to, to thrive and grow and develop in their career with that organization. So commitment, Readiness, recruitment, and retention.
2: That's awesome. Is that help? For, yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, um, I guess kind of speaking on behalf of a lot of the small businesses who who don't necessarily have the resources of or the team um, in place to get these things done. Are there you know certain resources or grants available to them that they can take advantage of to help them prepare?
1: That there may be some business grants that are available. That's a really good question. I'm not entirely familiar with that piece of it, but you know, Small Business BC would probably be able to advise and, and Small Business BC also has some resources on their, on their website for small business community. Um, but checking out the accessibleemployer.ca site, there's just a vast amount of information there. And some of that information is set up for larger businesses. Some is set up for smaller businesses.
0: Uh, Thinking about that retention piece and the cultural awareness and education that needs to go into retention in tech, for example, we often hear even if there is a strategy for hiring more women, sometimes those one or two women within a large organization feel out of place and it's just not the right environment for them. So shifting over to sort of creating an environment where people of diverse abilities are able to thrive and stay, what kind of education, what kind of cultural transformation needs to happen, especially. Thinking about how there might be different generations within that workforce. Some people, my generation included, grew up with maybe more of a an inclusion-focused school, but other generations
1: that certainly wasn't the case. Exactly. Yeah, I think um, having well in larger organizations, what works really well around retention is having an employee resource group. Um, So people being able to exchange information and also help to inform. Um, you know, the leaders in that organization of some of the challenges and maybe the gaps or barriers so that that can be addressed. Um, But giving people a voice in a smaller business, even having sort of uh, a peer mentor, um, especially when starting, really helps to set that employment relationship up for success. You know, part of the retention piece is going to be what organizations do up front. So when a new person joins the company, how are they set up for success, right? Right. Because that translates to a level of satisfaction, builds trust, um, keeps people thinking in a positive light about that or about their opportunities with that company. Um, So, yeah, I think that's what I would suggest on that front. Great.
0: Uh, I'm curious too, and then Vivian, I'll pass it over to you for the chance for a final question or to, should we shift our thinking to sort of being open to different kinds of thinking, and by that I mean, as opposed to welcoming in one or two people who have disabilities into an organization and ensuring that it meets their needs, but going to them potentially for Uh, reflection and insight and different ideas that could maybe help the organization not just with its inclusivity strategy but help it thrive in other ways.
1: Yeah I think that's a really good point it you know being aware of especially if this is the first time someone's been hired in that in the organization with diverse abilities making a conscious effort to seek feedback um, and and invite that feedback welcome it um, will be, you know, that, that individual will, will be the best source of information um, more than anything. Um, I'd love for us to get to a point where, you know, our organization is no longer needed. That's my, that's my dream. We work ourselves out of a job here Um, because, you know, inclusion is happening and I I know it will happen. Um, But there's, you know, there's still a lot of, Older mindsets out there, uh, some bias and stigma and stereotype. There's still some work to be done. Yeah. You know. A
0: quick follow-up and moving over to you. I promise. Um, when do you think we're going to get there? Do you have a, a target in <laughs> mind, or do you think that changes? <laughs> is, is How your long question? will this take? I <laughs> was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because yeah. we've been talking about this for a long mm-hmm. time, Jamie. Not necessarily on the the disability focus, but when it comes to
2: equity and diversity. Yeah. I keep thinking we're going to get there and we're still having the same conversations, still the same, you know, organizations that are out there and it's, it's, when do we get to that point that, you know, to your point they work themselves out of a job.
1: I know, I know. And you know what, I'm, I'm hoping to retire at 65. (laughs) I think we're there in another few years. Um, No, I think that um, particularly in, in, in hiring people with, diverse abilities, there's been a lot of momentum. Um, and in particular in BC, also in Ontario and on the East Coast, there's been a lot of momentum. And much of that has been driven by workforce shortages, to be honest, right? It had forced organizations to, you know, when you no longer, when you cannot attract staff to work for your organization, you need to look at shit where you've always found staff Um, You need to look at what do you need to adapt? What do you need to do differently? Um, How can we change our mindset to be more open to different groups of people, right? Um, I think COVID has had a a pretty major impact on women and also uh, people with with disabilities, for sure. Um, Are we still having the same conversations yeah, but I'm seeing you know when you when you see the kinds of organizations that are coming to the table and asking for us to recruit on their behalf and train their their um, their hiring managers, um, these are organizations that would not have been there ten years ago. Right. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Vivian, did I steal your last question, or do you have? A final? Uh,
2: no, I have one final one, and kind of speaking on behalf of just a lot of the students that you know I've the. Uh, privileged to work with as well as a lot of the job seekers that come to Startup Week is if they were to have a disability, um, I guess, do you have any tips for them of how much they should share um, or anything oh, wow. that they can ask a potential employer just to know if the, it's the right fit and whether or not that employer is going to cater to their
1: needs as well? Wow, that's a great question. You two <laughs> ask really good questions, by the way. Some <laughs> are tough. Good. Um, <laughs> You know, disclosure is, is a very personal uh, choice. I actually encourage it. Um, and the reason for that is, <clears throat> I think if we focus on every person, you know, what do we need to do to set you up for success? And having that information, what, would be, what might we need to adjust for you to do your best work in this job? That's not an accommodation question. That's not name your disability. It's focused on abilities in relation to the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So asking questions, um, you know, there might be someone who, for example, um, is neurodiverse and and lives with autism. And for that individual to go into a situation, say, "I'm, I'm autistic. And how many other people with autism work for your company? How do you view, um, how, how would, would you hire someone like me? Having an honest conversation around that is very personal, but even just asking for, you know, what are your views on a diverse workforce? You know, putting it out there. Um, how, how, how do you view a diverse workforce? If I had autism and I applied to work with your company, what would you do? I think having open honest conversations is important now the the more we kind of i'll say dance around the subject um it'll just always stay the same as it is right
0: yeah Yeah, that's certainly the concern i like your advice to have an applicant ask that question and i hope if there are employers listening that that maybe scares them already their answer if they don't have one ready or think through you know, how they are maybe going to bring about diversity? If the answer happens to be at this point in time, unfortunately, no, we don't have anyone who's mm-hmm. autistic on our staff, for
1: example. Hmm. Hmm. Be interesting to see the answers to that. Yeah.
0: Um, final question, Jamie. What would be a resource or two you would recommend to an employer or an organization that wants to do more in this space? And you can include BC Win. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another shameless. No, I'm just saying. Um, there's a great resource that uh, my friend and colleague Kristen Bauer and I um, developed, um, and this is with uh, Mission Possible in Vancouver, and it's a it's it's called Untapped Talent: A Business to Business Guide on Innovative Hiring and Retention. It's free, <laughs> so if you search it, you'll find it. It's online. Um, it's also hosted on the Presence Group website. Um, and again, we'll be launching some e-learning, a one-hour, three-module e-learning um, program in mid, mid-May. It's all targeted to business. Um, so those, you know, the resources on the presence group side are just fantastic. So, And, and they're business-oriented. So, um, so I think if you're interested, if, an, if a business is interested in, in any of these areas, um, starting there would be a good step.
0: Excellent Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show with your insight.
1: We really appreciate it. Thanks Haley. thanks Vivian as well. I really appreciate thanks, the Jamie. opportunity. Yeah. And
0: Vivian, thank you for guest co-hosting. I sorry I'm sorry I stole that question, but it's a great thing <laughs> that we Hey, I had a so backup. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's Jamie Miller Dixon, a principal consultant with McLeod Silver HR Business Partners and an inclusive workforce consultant with BC Wynn. Vivian Chan is the Director of National Operations at Yale Canada and co chair of Vancouver Startup Week and my guest co host on the show today. I'm Haley Wooden, executive editor at BIV. Thank you so much for joining us for EDI on BIV, a new podcast series from Business in Vancouver. We'll be back next week with a new episode of our show.